This is episode 237 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Controlling Compound Financial. They teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies. For a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more, visit www.controllingcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Welcome back to the show. Today, I've got an old friend and former bandmate on the show. Uh, we actually used to play in a band together called Sound as People. You can still find that on YouTube. Anyway, so he touched base with me. I haven't talked to him in uh, quite some time. Haven't seen him in like, I don't know, 12, 11 years, something like that, like a, a long time. And uh, I just thought it'd be interesting to have him on the show because he's kind of been one of those sticking his toe in the water real estate investors where he's done a little bit and actually done some impressive stuff too. He recently bought a property in Florida, South Florida, and uh, he's renting it out on Airbnb and also using it as a vacation home. And it's profitable in that uh, structure. So he's able to use it for several weeks out of the year and it pays for itself. That's a win-win in my books and uh, no small feat. So uh, I think that uh, we got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, doing the international investing thing is something a lot of people uh, overthink or don't want to get into. And I thought this was a great testament to uh, the fact that anybody can do that. Anybody can do cross-border investing. So don't feel like you're trapped in Canada as an investor. Uh, it couldn't be further from the truth. What happened with this episode is it basically turned into a bit of a coaching back and forth. So um, a lot of the conversations I'll have with my coaching students are uh, really in the same vein as the discussion that was had on this episode. And that's really establishing capabilities, establishing what it is that you want to do, um, debunking um, certain thought processes that aren't helpful in what you're trying to do. Um, there's some limiting beliefs that need to go. And I find with a lot of people, um, one of the reasons that they don't take enough strides forward in real estate is that their time is so filled with other things that aren't their highest and best use of time, uh, which is, these are just, very, very core and critical concepts, which we dug in on this episode. And I think you're going to get a lot out of this. If you're looking to take it to the next level, if you're looking to, you know, go from what you feel might be playing small to playing bigger, uh, these are thoughts that need to be had, conversations that need to be had. Uh, with your significant other uh, and with yourself. Uh, if you talk to yourself like I do occasionally, uh, hey, it's healthy, right? Anyways, uh, before we jump into that, I wanted to remind you that every month so far for the last little while, we've been hosting the GTA West REI Meetup and it's a place where you can meet like-minded investors. We just had one. However, I'm recording this before it actually occurred. So I can't tell you how it went, but I'm sure it was awesome because they usually are. And they're done in a way that I get to have a lot of really great conversations with really interesting people and I look forward to these events. I, I genuinely enjoy them and I'm looking forward to this next one. So uh, come on out and meet like-minded people, meet people who have an interest in real estate and who are doers and uh, it's a great way to help you grow further. So with that said, let's go ahead and jump into episode 237 with Rob Cray who's going to talk about his sales strategies. He's going to talk about the real estate he's doing. It was a great episode. Please enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I've got an old friend and bandmate on the show who also is investing in real estate, uh, Rob Crate, and uh, author of this book, Sales Meets Marketing. All right. So uh, Rob, thanks for coming back up. We haven't seen each other in uh, I think 11 years. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank so. you for having me. Yeah, um, we were just catching up a little bit off camera and 
you were telling me about your daughter and uh, kind of what's changed in, in your life and you're working in sales still, which you were way back then. So, which is, it makes sense that you wrote a book on sales. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think everybody should study sales. Absolutely everybody. So that's great. And, uh, but why don't you tell me a little bit about kind of what you've been up to? I, I know way back when we talked about, you know, you buying your first house Yeah, <laughs> and uh, here you are. And I know you've, you've done a bit more since then. So give me the update. Yeah, sure. So, uh, like I said, thank you for having me. It's good to see you again. Um, so the, that first house that we bought way back in, when would that have been? Maybe 2007, yeah. 2008, yeah. something like that. We were playing, we, you played in that garage, right? Like we, yeah, we yeah you ended up buying the, that house. Yeah, right? I ended yeah. up buying that house. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and my, my sort of journey with real estate investing and, and compare, I'll, I'll qualify compared to a lot of the guests that you have on here on, I'm absolutely an amateur, right? But I love what you do and I love the podcast and I learn a lot from it. Um, and as, Kristen and I, my wife, try to grow our portfolio. Mm-hmm. We listen to a lot of what your guests have to say and what you have to say. Um, and we kind of fell into this by chance. So yeah. we, we bought that first house um, where you and I played in a band together um, all those years back. And as our uh, as our daughter got older and started going to school, we decided we wanted to be in a little bit I don't want to say more affluent, but just a little bit better of a neighborhood yeah. in terms of the, the kids she was hanging around with, right? Yeah, makes sense. Um, and so we started looking from there, uh, ended up going to the West End of London, more towards the university. Um, and we found a house that we absolutely fell in love with. And that was, I think that was five years ago now, just over, well, five and a half years ago where we found this house. Um, and when we went to uh, make an offer on it and applied to the bank for a mortgage, they pre-qualified us without selling our first house. Okay. So, which was a bit of a shock to me based on, based on our income and credit. And so at that point, you know, Chris and I kind of looked at each other and went, hmm, maybe this is time for us to get a rental property, right? Maybe we can keep it and yeah. rent it out. So you kept the first one as the rental? You kept the first That's the classic the- leapfrog move, which I think is, is, is great. You know, yeah. you just, you, you get into a place probably 5% down when you bought it and then yeah. the equity goes up and now you can buy another one and exactly. go 5% down again. And it allows you to, to leapfrog and build a portfolio just slow and steady. Yeah. Worked yeah. better, you know, back when you were doing it than it does now. Right, 100%. Yeah. And, and when those property values kind of skyrocketed in, in Southern Ontario, originally we were on the right side of it because we already owned a property, right? And I yeah. can just imagine what people are going through now if they don't already yeah. have properties, right? Like it, it's it's got to be impossible for a lot of people. Yeah. Um. A so lot anyways, of them, a lot of them won't own, won't own properties you no, know, going forward. You yeah. know, and and I've you know we're we're about the same age. I've I've still got friends right now that are having kids that are renting and they don't know how they're going to get into the market. Right. Most likely won't at right. this point, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 Which is which is really sad, right? And uh, you know, even people that are in you know, let's say downtown Toronto right now, there's only so far away you can get that property values are still high, right? So. Yeah, now where can you really go that's that it's like cheap? Like I know uh, my uh how do I put this? He's he's my father in law's stepson. Okay. Uh he just you know, they they work in Toronto and he mm-hmm. moved out to uh basically like what's that place called? South of Niagara Falls, like Oh Port Colburn, is that right? Yeah. Am I saying that right? It could be Port, yeah. Port Colburn, yeah. Um 
or uh, I might be getting this or wrong. Welland or there's a, south there's a, of there on, on Lake Erie though, like where yeah, where yeah. the Niagara uh, River starts. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, and in, in got a lot more house. He was mentioning yeah. he got a lot more house, but how much further can you really go? Like you're well, saying, it. like it, it's there's a systemic problem in Ontario and a really good motivation to leave. But of course, people who've been here for a long time don't want to. Mm-hmm. Like you want to be able to you know stay here and stay 100%. around your family, right? Hundred percent, right? And yeah. uh, so, so, anyways, to to yeah. your point, I don't know how a lot of people are affording it now, and we just got lucky based yeah. on based on timing and where we were with our family to start, and then when we so so that first foray into being a landlord mm-hmm. was kind of a roller coaster. We started because it's right by Fanshawe College in London, as you know. Um, so we started with student rentals, and they absolutely destroyed the place, right? Yeah. Which is better for cash flow, in theory. Not yeah. so much when you have to spend all your profit repairing the place to change the tenants. Right? Yeah, yeah. And especially with the Fanshawe um, students, like that's a different animal. Like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be good at being a landlord for Fanshawe students. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just know it's a different, it's a different uh, system, different, different length of stay. Expectations yeah. are different. And then of course, like if you're not selling them on a high-end product, uh, they don't treat it like a high-end product, which exactly. you kind of... You got to be careful about that with the student yeah, rentals, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And and I've known some people that have done well in the in the same neighborhood, but they were very um, they were very particular about their tenants, right? And they were more doing mm. postgraduate degrees, or they were adult yeah. professionals retraining, or things like that, right? Yeah. Um, and oftentimes, if you get into the brand new student, the first time they've ever left home, and this is their first chance at freedom, yeah, why would that go well? <laughs> right, <laughs> right, um, and I think we, uh, we, and it was. I mean, part of it was a bit of a favor to you know family and stuff. Um, so don't regret the situation necessarily, but would have made a different one if I went back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we finally got the place fixed up, we ended up moving to um, a company in London that houses mentally challenged and back to workforce uh, tenants, and they're they're government backed. So, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So we took a bit of a hit on rent, but now with that property, which has a huge lot, old trees, as you remember, right? Massive mm-hmm. apple tree. It's a 200 foot deep lot. Now we always get rent on time, even though we're taking a bit of a cut on what we could get if we yeah. had students, but they also have a full-time maintenance person. So they do everything. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't get called for light bulbs. I don't get called for toilets. You yeah. know, I don't get called to cut the lawn. So I think it's a good trade-off that we've hit there. Is this like a legacy tenant? They've been there a long time for you now. Yeah, yeah. They've the same. Well, it's it's an organization. So, so the they, organization they is change. the tenant. Yeah, the organization is the tenant exactly, and so they can they can change their individual residence if they want um, yeah. at any time. They have to give us notice if they do that, just so we're aware. Um, but yeah, the longtime tenant they've never missed a rent payment, and it's consistent. Yeah. And, so similar idea to like what the Americans do, I guess, to Section 8 housing, like government assisted housing. Kind of, yeah. And uh, some people don't like that. Like no. they don't like the idea because you might get a certain type of character in your house that you don't want. 100%. Yeah. Um, now, mind you, this is more, rather than Section 8, it's more charitable, right? Because yeah. the gentlemen that are living there are like elderly gentlemen that are mentally challenged. You know, one of them has trouble seeing, one of them's yeah. diabetic. So it's more like assisted living rather yeah. than rather than um, sort of lower income and government backed housing. Yeah. Um, but you're right, it has a pro, it's pros so, and it's cons. So sure. with that one, have you been doing the rent increases on it? We have been, 
Um, but it's been tough. You can't keep up with with no. the market rents with the two percent, you know, whatever. No, no, and it's yeah. been it's been impossible. So what's to, the rent on it now? It's only eighteen hundred. So yeah, eighteen hundred, and that place could probably do like twenty five to three. Yeah, probably twenty five. Twenty five at the high end. Twenty five. Yeah, 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 because it's a it's a three bedroom legal. Um, you'd have to change the the basement windows to make it a four bedroom where we used to play. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. You'd have to change those windows to make it a four bedroom. And then even that yeah. for the student rental market, if you were going to do a four bedroom place, you're you're still about six hundred uh, per per room yeah, right I, now. Yeah, I, I wouldn't angle that as students personally, like knowing the house. Uh, so bungalow, your basement's tall enough to be its own unit, right? Yep. Uh, is there is there access to the basement through a, like a side staircase or the back staircase? Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's separate. Yeah, access. so you could you could separate that, make it into a legal duplex, and then now I believe we're getting to a point in London where there should be uh, you should be able to do a garden suite. Uh, I just don't okay. know the exact restriction. I believe you're limited to. Last time I checked, it was ten percent of your footprint. Okay. from your home, which would be next to nothing. But hey, with the tiny home technology these days, you could make a little tiny efficient uh, micro space and turn that into like three legal units. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah, that would be my angle. I'd at least be looking into it. Yeah, I'd, I'd be looking into how can I add more income here? And then of course, to do the renovation, you you uh, would have the ability to, I, I believe, do like an N13, like you have to leave for renovations. Yeah, yeah. Of course, they're going to want to come back. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. So you might not necessarily get rid of them. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that there's an angle there and like just with that space like, yeah definitely worth asking they're having a few conversations with the zoning department in london and just seeing what they would be supportive of yeah and uh no it is that is works. a really good idea and and that's part of the reason why i wanted to talk to you is that we are we are most definitely still amateurs right and we kind of fell into this and these types of ideas you know with with me still working full-time and having a very yeah. demanding job it's not something that i'm spending all of my time learning and growing yeah. when it comes to real estate investing right it's it's something that i've always wanted to do and do more of but it's not something i'm focusing all my efforts on so the fact that the property takes care of itself and pays for itself yeah it's not that has you need been to enough. do anything right it's not that you need to do anything and plus you probably still have a mortgage rate that's like two percent or something like that on that one yeah for how many more years uh three still see that's the that's the thing yeah you know what happens at the three-year mark i guess you probably have never refinanced it no i did to, I to did buy the new house the new yeah, house, yeah, right okay. so um so I'm lucky there that I still have three years. Yeah. I'm hoping that the three years is the sweet spot, but who knows what's going to happen at this point. Yeah, you'll want to get, see, my head would be at, okay, I'm going to want to make sure the income's a lot higher for when, uh, for when, for when renewals out. come up. Yeah. Uh, because it probably, have you run the numbers? Like what would it look like at a five or a six percent? Well, I mean, a seven percent interest rate. We'd be losing money. Yeah, yeah. that's where you don't want to be. But you can always re-amortize. And I think a lot of people are doing that right now where they're, they're coming up for renewal and rather than just take, you know, the remaining 16 years on their mortgage, they're going back to 25 or back to 30 right. uh, to get the payments down, which yeah. obviously is not a great prospect. No, but, but it's, uh, it is a prospect, right? And, and ultimately for, a, in, in my mind, and maybe you have a different opinion than me, but in my mind, 
a property that I'm not living in as my primary residence, the goal is to just cash flow for me. Like I, I don't yeah. particularly care whether it's paid off in 16 years or 30, as long as yeah. it's either paying. Well, for I want there to be equity there. I do like it paying off, but I don't. It, that's not that's not the main thing I'm focused on. Right. But yes, it's it's a definitely a nice thing to have it have it paying off to some degree. Mm -hmm. What I used to have is I had one of my rental properties on a, a HELOC, and it was just interest only and. Yeah. After a few years, I really got tired of that. I'm like, yeah, I yeah. don't like that the mortgage is still the same amount. Yeah, fair uh, enough. So were you not in that property? Were you not using any cash flow to pay down the HELOC? You were just doing your interest-only payments? Yeah, I was just doing interest-only. Uh, that one didn't have a ton of cash flow. Yeah. And I just wanted to keep a, a buffer. Uh, that was like early, early on. Yeah. Uh, one of my first two properties. And I just, I didn't have the right approach. Like now I look at it, if I'm going to own a property, like, each property is kind of its own business right and you don't start a business without having operating capital in the account but early on i just like hey, i got enough to buy the property oh wait right what about you know the cash to you know service the mortgage payment until rent comes in if yeah. rent's late or something like that you know i made those classic mistakes too yeah. uh, not really thinking about them uh you know until you get into it and then you realize oh yeah and then i went you know extreme the other way and i'd let my you know, accounts grow to 20K per property. Um, right, and then you're wasting capital. Eh, it's yeah, it's kind of inefficient in that yeah. way. Uh, and I think I've always been that way since. Like, just, I like to have extra sitting around yep. just in case. Even though it's inefficient, even though I'm paying even private money in, in certain circumstances, uh, like high interest rates, to me, it's like, it's worth it to have access to capital. Yeah. Uh, be flexible uh, and be able to sleep at night. Right, which is understandable. Yeah, everybody's totally. got to be able to, right? And yeah. for, for different people, that looks different. Yeah, 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 totally. And I think that's like, that's where we are now is is where you were 12 years ago. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're making the same mistakes learning on our own, which is what we need to do a better job of. Um, things like trying to maximize income on the property yeah. rather than just letting it pay for itself and, and growing yeah. equity, right? Yeah, didn't you reach right. out, like I think you sent me a message or something and I said, oh, you should check out this group and you checked out a group and then I somehow we ended up talking about the podcast. I don't think you were aware of the podcast back then. Yeah, probably not. And then not. you started listening to it, yeah. uh, I guess. So yeah. yeah, I mean, if you just listen to the people who come on here, you'll get a million ideas. Oh, for right? sure. Yeah. But yeah, as sure. you've pointed out, you've got a, a daughter. I mean, I, I, think we, I think she's less work than a, a newborn. <laughs> <laughs> or a toddler, but I don't know. Yes. Um, and then, you know, you're working full time, which I think a lot of people, you know, specifically even people who who I'm coaching, like we're working through, like, what are your capabilities right now to grow? Mm -hmm. Like, how much time do you really have to put into something? Yeah. And the unfortunate truth for a lot of people is like, now you're going to have to make like little sacrifices, you know, while you're working, like yeah. having those conversations with the people in the city is well worth it. If you mm -hmm. can ever sneak in on a business day, of course, you got to go in like, you know, midweek on a business day. Yeah. Um, but they're the ones that'll say, oh yeah, we get applications for this all the time. Or here's something that I've been seeing get approved. Right. The, th the little things you pick up when you go in, you just, totally. you, you don't really get them otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. So worth making the time for. Yeah. Whenever you can figure figure out how to squeeze that in. Yeah, no, absolutely. So tell a little bit about your like your life schedule, because I know, you know, in, in a lot of people are going to relate to this. Mm -hmm. So like how busy are you on a day to day basis? What's your typical day look like? So I, uh, I'm a, I'm a product specialist at a medical company and I cover the entire country for what I do. So it's extremely demanding. Yeah. Um, I was taking a look at it uh, recently, actually, and last year I spent 125 nights in hotel. So just not, in not a small chain. amount. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. So I'm I'm basically, and that's I mean, when you take into account weekends, I'm I'm away 65 percent of business time. 
um, working in hospitals for various reasons in lots of different provinces. And so um, I get to see the country, which is great, but it's very difficult to spend time, you know, yeah. sitting down and looking at investments here yeah. other than what's just turnkey for me that I do every day. Right. And that, yeah. and that, that has been a challenge because we've, mm-hmm. we've looked at a lot of things that we've passed on simply because we don't have the time to sit and really look at it close enough until it's gone. Right. Yeah. So I guess the, the, the question is, um, I, I think evaluating deals, that's something you've got to do, but yeah. is there, I mean, this is something I would, you know, ask in a, like a coaching situation. Like, mm-hmm. is there something in your life that, that you think you could give up? Like something that, that you could delegate to somebody else. I'm not saying give up as in something you enjoy. I'm saying something that you do that's tedious that you could hire somebody to do, which would then give you the time. That the, even the hour that you need to analyze a couple of deals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, hundred yeah. percent. And it's a really good point because I've been debating this yeah. for probably yeah, probably eight months now. I've been debating getting an assistant, right, and just hiring yeah. my own assistant that can handle all the tedious things that I should not be doing. Like that's a life changing thing to do. Yeah, totally. I, yeah, okay. I, I have an assistant and. I talked to her and we're open about this and, and she's not fully busy. I'd say like, I don't know, I'd have to ask her today. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's only at 40% of capacity in terms okay. of what she can do, 40% utilization. But that 40% that she does for me is stuff that I couldn't imagine myself doing. Yeah, okay. So yeah. that right there would probably buy back your time. And I'm, we have a similar challenge because I'm an entrepreneur and I can put in enough time into, I can put time into a million different things. Mm-hmm. And as you know, you're in you're in the sales field, although you're not doing direct selling anymore, right? Mm-hmm. But you're doing customer service. You make your own hours. Yep. Um, you can work longer hours. You can work shorter hours. Plus, when you're being away, uh, you've got to find a way to just get rid of the rest. Right? Would your company contribute to uh, an assistant? Uh, they may. I haven't broached the subject yet. Um, but w- I've got yeah. a team now that I've by by the end of this year, the team yeah. working under me will be four or five, and so that'll delegate a lot of my not a lot of my travel, but it probably 30% yeah. of my so travel. So you can get rid of some well. of the travel. Yeah. So that, that will help. And there's, there's a plan yeah. for that, of course. Um, but you're but right. We'll, it's the tedious things like yeah. booking travel even, right? Like we have yeah. a travel agency, but I still got to figure out my own flights. I got to figure out where I want to stay. I got to figure out, you know, where the, where the gym is yeah. versus the hotel versus the, right. It's, it's all, it all takes. And that's all and stuff time, that's, right? and I, and I get it. Like that seems so simple. And somebody listening to this be like, oh, that's such simple stuff to do when you have a million other things in your brain and yeah. task task switching is a painful thing. 100%. Uh, if I'm focused on something, I don't want to be taking my attention off of it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so I would absolutely say that's all stuff you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting that you say that because people will be listening and thinking, uh, you know, that's, that's such a simple thing to do to book a flight and, and book a hotel. But when you're, when you, when you are on a plane two or three or four times a week, it can be hours of your week just spent booking travel right and when yeah. you also have 50 well, yeah, emails you have to, to you, respond you, to and you all right like there's there's so well, many things and let me paint you a picture so yeah. you now you have somebody who does all that for you they understand what your parameters and your criteria are, are so now they book every hotel every trip you do like they're in your email inbox seeing where you have to go next or on your calendar yeah. putting space holders on your calendar um you didn't book with my assistant but most people do i just was texting with you so i just added you in right but um, I think she did actually send you a calendar invite. She did, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, now all of a sudden you're not doing any of that. Mm-hmm. Now you have all that time. And plus your assistant can go into your emails and pre-screen them for you and 
you know, I have Jane go into my inbox and find anything that's an invoice and she puts it on a list for Thursday payments. So okay. every Thursday we do payments. Right. And uh, so I don't have to fill my head with that. That's one less right. thing I need to worry about. And I think it's the big thing is taking away the worry that something might slip by me. Yes. And uh, having a process and a system set up to take care of things. Mm -hmm. um, and it does need your oversight, but you can you can buy back a lot of your time. And now, boom, now you got time to right. start looking at deals and to start uh, start doing stuff. And and this is something that I'm working on with one of my students is uh, like he just needs to get his time back. Like yeah. we we're talking, you want to grow, you want to do all these investments. First step yeah. is we have to get your time back. We've got to find a way to do that. Yeah. And hire, hiring is one of the things I waited on the longest. I'm yeah. I'm guilty of this. So speaking from experience. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time to get to the point, you know, I had to get to a breaking point. Right. And then I finally did. Yeah, but you're not at that, right? Like, you, Well, I'm, I'm pretty darn close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you really have to like just burn out and say, oh, yeah, I, I just, I'm ready to quit if I don't do this. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. and it's funny because we've been working towards this, you know, with my family for basically since COVID is how do I, how do I get more time at home and how do mm. I get more time to work on our long-term goals, right? Yeah. Um, because real estate is a, is a big goal of ours that is, we've taken it, I, I think we've partially purposely taken it slow um, because we don't, my, my wife is very conservative when it comes mm -hmm. to that kind of investment decision. Um, but yeah. but also we've been a victim of, of my schedule for taking it slow because we could have done a lot more yeah. at this point, right? Um, and uh, so question for you then, Jane, did you, are, is Jane is Jane working for someone else as well if she's only at 40% capacity or is this something that she just wants to do part-time and she is only working for you or what's the how, how does, what's the structure if you don't mind me sharing yeah so um, Jane is uh works virtually so she's uh she's in the Philippines so she works um our hours which is nighttime hours for her so sort of the night shift yeah and um because of sort of like I guess you can kind of refer to it as a bit of an arbitrage um what I pay her is like a top income in, in Philippines. Yeah. And uh, so it works. It was one of those things that worked out well where it's it's still affordable for me. It's not, mm -hmm. it's certainly not nothing. Right. Uh, but it allows me to um, to not be so aggressive about her needing to have every hour filled, like not right. needing to get every last bit. And that was one of the things we talked about when she started is I said, hey, this works for both of us and here's why. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm able to pay you an amount that's that's a relatively high amount for where you are and a relatively low amount for where I am. Right. Uh, and it allows us not to be fully there. So she's actually uh, she's a lawyer in Philippines as well. Oh, wow. And on top of working full time for me, she also does. Uh, um, legal work for uh, the municipality that she's in. Okay. And uh, it, it's interesting. So yeah, and she does that outside of the hours she works for me, which I kind yeah. of feel bad for her. So she works a lot of hours. Um, I, as I said, I'm not grilling her with a lot to do, but she's right. still still present in there. And that's of course her choice. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's yeah. not something that you can control or should feel yeah. bad about. But but it's just, yeah, I'm curious mm -hmm. about the arrangement because it is something I've debated for Yeah, for and now, I didn't know right? how it would work. And that was yeah. the hard thing for me is like, I wanted to get uh, a good assistant, somebody that would help me solve problems, but I also didn't want to take on, uh, you know, a full-time Canadian-based salary with right. somebody who has the expectations that needs to pay to live in, in Ontario, which is right. the most absurd place to pay to live anymore yeah uh might as well be new york city yeah you know? yeah exactly. um so so this actually worked out really well and it was a real learning experience and she's mm. been with me ever since uh ever since uh I, well a year and a half ago pretty much um and 
that was as I was kind of coming to a breaking point. I, I had my son in the picture and mm -hmm. I just couldn't keep up with stuff. I was doing yeah. too many things were falling by the wayside and I was starting to realize that I couldn't manage my obligations with the podcast. Um, I had help for the, for the podcast for a bit and then uh, something changed and I ended up going to a lot more virtual episodes. Okay. Um, and uh, I wanted to get back to doing it doing it the way we're doing it right now yeah uh, so i just said hey things have got to change i cannot continue the way i was mm -hmm. you know here here's the next step and i just decided to take a take a leap yeah. you know because that's all you really can do and and you're obviously uh, happy with it so far yeah i mean I, it, there's no perfect situation right mm -hmm. I, I don't love that there's certain things i still don't have her doing there's still things i'm doing that i shouldn't be right and i have to like i'd much rather uh I'd much rather spend the time and teach somebody how to do something than do it myself, knowing full well that I'll have to do it myself again the next time. Mm -hmm. Even if I could do it in one tenth the time, I'd rather invest the time now and teach somebody so I don't right. have to keep doing it. Yeah. And uh, anything that I do repetitively is a first candidate to hire off. Yeah. So I I actually don't mind cutting the grass. I kind of find it like a nice like <laughs> zen thing to do. Yeah, yeah. But I have somebody at my house right now cutting the grass. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Yeah, but yeah. if I have time, I don't mind it. Like I actually yeah, had to yeah. put on a podcast and just zone out. But no, but uh, it's a good. I mean, it's it's a good theory in general to live by is that if you're not spending your time doing something creatively different and it's a repetitive yeah. task why are you doing it right well and for a lot of entrepreneurs you're going to look at it and you say if i'm doing my absolute highest and best activity if i were to equate that to an hourly rate of pay mm -hmm. what is that how much do i make and then you can look back at your real estate investment and say how many hours did i really invest in that right and what's it paid me looking at the equity the cash flow and you'd come up with a number that's pretty absurd mm -hmm. like for an hourly rate um, so anything less than that within reason, because obviously cash flow is a factor, you should be thinking, is this something I should hire out? Right. Anything that, that somebody would do it for less. Mm -hmm. Like if it's, uh, you know, a, a, a grass cutting is not a, you know, not a $50 an hour job. It's, you know, it's, you know, 15 to 20. Right. Uh, so that's a candidate to be hired out if right. I'm not enjoying what, you know, what I'm doing. Or even uh, if there's something better you could be doing. Yeah, period. something better. So, yeah. so then that allows me to do something I would much prefer to be doing. Yeah. And, um, you know, with, with Jane sort of tackling more of my back end and like managing, you know, the payment process and stuff that allows me to take on coaching students, which is lucrative. And it right. allows me to look at new projects. And, right. um, if you don't have any time, you can't evaluate deals and you can grind for a bit. Anyone can, Yeah. but there comes a tipping point, especially if you've got a family where mm. like, or a breaking point, so to speak, where you just, you'll be like enough of this. This yeah. doesn't work anymore. Totally. Uh, you can only grind so far. And I know Gary V like talks about like yeah, yeah. crushing it. And, you know, I, I lived by that model when I started this podcast. That's why this podcast started. Right. But I don't think that that's uh, a sustainable model in the long run. No, no. Yeah. And, and you take everything you hear from Gary V with a grain of salt. Not that I don't love Gary V, but by the same token, he's got a lot of people doing a lot of things for him that he's not doing himself. Right. Right. He'll say he early on. Very hard. Yeah. He'll yeah. say early on, you don't like you know, you do everything yourself. And then once you can afford it, you hire out, which I don't yeah. disagree with. But uh, there is that inflection point where you, yeah. you do have to take the leap of it. Does yeah. this make sense for me to do anymore? Because yeah. there's so many things that I could be spending my time on that are higher value. Yeah. Why am I still doing this? Right? The only, the only difference I think with you is like, will your sales job or sorry, will your job pay you more <laughs> if you're, if you have more time available or if they, right. if they pay for your assistant, are they going to expect you to fill that time with X, Y, and Z? Right. And, and the answer yeah. is no, because I'm in a very unique position where as long as I'm paid on results, 
So as long as the results come through from a, a revenue perspective, I'm going to get paid. Whether so I'm are you salaried or, too, or just just salaried but very low, low salary but high bonus? Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's mostly commission based. So my my performance or, or my compensation is directly tied to to performance. Um, so, so that's a perfect candidate uh, to hire an assistant because now, now you I have can to do it myself. Now you can get better results. Yes, exactly, yeah. and not only better results at my current role, but everything else that I'm trying to do as well, which is yeah. real estate, which is all this, the, you know, the book, everything else that I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, so I completely agree with you. And if, so if you don't mind, if I'll shift back to real estate, just in general, for sure, because this is another point where, uh, not that I want to make the interviewer become the interviewed, but I think no, I don't care. This kind of turned into a coaching session, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I don't think I've done one of these episodes in like 215 episodes. So. Okay, so there yeah. you go. So uh, yeah. thank you though. Yeah. Um, so when we when we bought our next property, the um, similar situation, we had equity. We wanted to use it to buy another property, and I was looking at multi-unit residential in London, basically, mm -hmm. right? Where I knew, close to home, right? And I found a few properties that I, I really liked in the kind of like $800,000 range. Mm -hmm. And then, and this and this is the reason I bring this up is because we passed on two, one, two properties that I really liked that cash flowed really well. Um, and my wife vetoed them because of various reasons. And I told you she's very conservative, right? And I'm sure you have listeners that are in this situation that are kind of just getting started and they've got, partners in either mm -hmm. life or investment that have different styles than them yeah right and so one property uh dundas east down by kellogg the old kellogg plant which some of your listeners may know i know you mm -hmm. know um where it was an eight unit building it was it was they wanted eight hundred thousand for it it needed a few uh a few renovations and it had a couple of cd tenants in it but relatively low rent and rent rents could be increased yeah for sure they and could. it cash flowed right mm. um so that was the first spot and then also that was just when 100 kellogg lane opened up so a company went in of people that we also know um and basically made the place a brewery and an amusement park and all yeah it's stuff, like that right? area is not what it used to be right like i mean no. that, that's a stigma area area traditionally but totally. uh not so much anymore i i see i hear it's it's really come around yeah well that that yeah. one block has really come around and this was sort of a block down the road and across the street mm -hmm. but they'd also already given a permit to hard rock so there's a hard rock hotel going in there in 2027 i think or something like really that. Yeah. yeah so they're going to change that at the time the whole place is going to change it would have yeah. been a good time to get in and the property cash flowed yeah. but because of the reputation of the area town mm. and the tenants that were currently there my wife said i don't feel comfortable right especially if i'm going to partially manage this place i don't feel so mm. we walked on it right and then yeah. a similar one a little bit west of london um i forget exactly where it was but one of the little towns west of London anyways. Like Kamoka or something? Could have been Kamoka, could have been Strathroy. Yeah. Okay. I forget exactly where it was, but similar property, you know, five separate units around the $800,000 mark. And it was, um, in the end, my wife again felt if I've got to be there too often, it's mm. just a little too far away. Yeah. Right? And so and so we walked on that. And then what we ended up doing in the, at the end of the day was like, okay, let's let's get let's buy ourselves a vacation home that will also cash flow then yeah. because then we all feel comfortable. And and at the end of the day, to me, it's not the most profitable way of using the funds when we bought it. Yeah. Not that it's not cash flowing, but it made my wife comfortable yeah. at the same time. So we ended up buying a place down in St. Pete, Bungalow, and we've been Airbnb-ing Airbnb it since then 
but it's also a place we can go whenever we want. Dude, that's awesome. And right? that's no small feat. You're managing a, an Airbnb at a distance. Is it a yeah. condo? No, it's a freestand bungalow, totally 1,100 square feet. Freehold, yeah. St. Petersburg, uh, yeah. near water? It's about 10 minutes. It's right direct yeah. center. 10 minutes okay. from St. Pete Beach, 10 minutes from Tampa Bay. Okay. Um, and uh, is, so it's enough to cover all your expenses? Like, when did you buy it? Uh, May, your birthday last year, May 31st, right? Nice. Yeah, that's when we closed. All right, wow. Yeah. Congrats. So, so 2022? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we've and been doing just over a year. how long did it take you to get it up and running? We rented, I think, our first tenant around now of last year. So it took so. you like six months to get it into an Airbnb? No, three. June, three. July. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm spacing. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. only August. Three months. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So so about three months uh, to get that going. What did you pay for the place? 433.3. 433.3. And then how much money did you have to put in to get it? About 25. 25K. And yeah. you got a mortgage with a Canadian lender? No. Got a mortgage with a, with a US lender. Yeah. Okay, like just like a semi-private? Nope. It was fully... It's... Um, it was uh well they've they've since sold the mortgage but it was um it was a major mortgage lender down there and we got a 6.99 percent 30-year amortization yeah. locked in the whole time the catch being i went with an interest-only mortgage for the first 10 years so i physically yeah. cannot pay down principal but it gave me a lower interest rate so it's a 30-year mortgage though 30-year mortgage 30 so it's going to go 20-year am as of the 10-year mark correct yeah, it's going to jump up in price a little yeah, bit. it will, for sure. Yeah, so this is not like uh, Bank of America. No, this. no, this no. Is, this is like no. a semi-private, like it hedge semi fund. Yeah, like so a, similar, did you get that idea from somebody on the show or? Uh, no, actually, I found yeah. it myself. It was it was before then because okay. I, I, I hadn't been listening to the show that long at that point. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because, yeah, yeah, that reminds me, like I know multiple people in my networks talking about that kind of thing. That's a pretty low rate. Like now I, I hear investors talking about like eight, you know, eight to nine. Sure. Uh, well, and they, but and that's that's a Canadian like not showing income documents yeah. like you know that's that's uh you know compared to what you can do in Canada that's actually not terrible especially no. on a thirty year like there there's a there's something to be said for that mm -hmm. and you do have to look down there it doesn't just fall in your lap but there are so many lenders you so just, many lenders yeah find either a good broker or just keep making calls I I went to the real estate meetup and I started uh, you know making connections with people and making calls from yeah. there yeah uh you know many dead ends but I had a few, yeah. a few well successes. and we went through a few brokers we went through a few agents um yeah. we were originally looking in Sarasota and then it got a yeah. better agent got a better broker ended up moving north yeah. and uh it really is all about the people you find you, you find good people yeah. you'll you'll find yeah. money right do you have a pool at that place we do yeah and yeah so you got a pool screened in, in yeah. yeah how many bedroom uh two two bedroom yeah. okay so smaller on the bedroom side but smaller so, on the bedroom side but it's a nice open concept place and yeah. we did the the second bedroom's a big um yeah. a big bedroom so we ended up doing yeah queen over queen bunk and a yeah. second queen and then the master has a queen with its own ensuite. So sleeps fashion. how many in total? If you use the the pullout couches, it'll sleep twelve. So you advertise it as sleeps twelve. Advertises it sleeps twelve. Yeah, oh my absolutely. god! So haven't, you pack people in there. Haven't had it packed at all. It's been mostly families since we started. Mostly so families. Three, four, uh, you know, five people at the most. That's amazing. Right? Yeah. What? So now you've got a full year behind. Yeah. Yeah. How how much uh, did you do gross? Uh, well, it depends on like you're talking 2022 because 2022. Well, we even just 12 months, loss. even just 12 months. So 12 months were probably around the 45k US. 45k US pulled in on that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you did use it a bit 
for yeah, yourself. Yeah, we used, we've probably used it five or six weeks. Easily. Yeah, so you have to pre-book those off, right? Because, yep. or do you just look at the calendar and see what's open and then go down? No, we usually pre-book because I've got it running on a twelve-month lead time right so people can book it for this time next year now if yeah. they want to which i'm debating changing because sometimes yeah all of a sudden you're like we'd love to go down for you know yeah. a week in november and it's booked right yeah uh, i think I, I think that from you know people i've talked to you just just book it for the time you want yeah and uh and see it's interesting like i mean i think a lot of like people who are in a group of 12 would probably look at that and say hey, it's a bit small for 12 100%, they would. but it, having the flexibility to do so yeah. is uh, is pretty key well so, and and the, and the big thing is when you're you know as a consumer on airbnb if i'm looking for a place to sleep 12 at least my property is going to show it's going to show up on and a it search. might be the only one oh yeah yeah right? and once you get awesome. super host I'm, you know you're yeah. top of the list all the time so we're booked solid for months so right? on 45 grand a year like how much cash flow are you seeing on average per month Right now, now that we're at the sort of that point where we're super host and we're, yeah, you know, we're kind, be of, better kind of rolling. Yeah, we're about a grand a month. Yeah. Which is good, in, in my opinion. And have you looked into doing, like, are you on VRBO or just Airbnb? Just Airbnb. Yeah. Um, and we haven't done VRBO just because of the fees. Because the fees are Is so it worse? Bad. Oh, way worse. VRBO is 16%. Airbnb is oh. three. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, interesting. Cause yeah. I, so VRBO just... touts itself as sort of the luxury accommodation yeah. but they as yeah. as a as the owner of the property it's yeah. you really got to be charging high fees to make it worth it yeah so i mean for our camp per, for for example we have like you can book direct through and we we use logify for that so okay. we have a website people can book direct with us we pay no fee which okay. is actually our second largest source of bookings uh, so no we're way. airbnb number one our website number two uh booking.com number three and it's pretty close airbnb and our direct booking is not far from each other really yeah okay. which is pretty cool it, it probably wouldn't be worth setting it up but i'd be inclined to try it if, yeah. if i were you yeah yeah <laughs> just Might try and set it up so but no one's going to come book direct unless they, you somehow are promoting it mm -hmm. uh, so if you don't plan to that's probably not worth doing but you know just being on more platforms like say somebody just they search on booking.com and all of a sudden your your house shows up yeah on, on a search concept. when they're searching it i mean i'm a I'm of the mindset I want to get my property in front of as many people as I can mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it just gives it more chances to get booked. Yeah. And uh, who, who knows, like it may, maybe it doesn't actually make a difference. Well, we're, we're in the position now where we haven't, we haven't had an issue with booking it because it is su it's in such a prime location, 10 minutes from like one of the best beaches in the U.S. at St. Pete Beach. Yeah. Um, and the pricing is reasonable. My, my point that what I'm trying to figure out now is how do I maximize my nightly rate and at what point have I gone too far? Because I haven't flirted with not having bookings for three months. Why don't you right? try Price Labs? Okay, yeah. tell me more. Well, I don't manage this directly, but we have it on our system, and it'll okay. it'll like it uses an algorithm to measure your property against others, and, okay. and and automatically make changes. You can set a price floor on it, which I would definitely. You're right. Yeah. Uh, but I would do it as an experiment if yeah, I were that's you. A like good try, idea. you know try it for a few months it's so hard because how do you ever call it a controlled test like right now airbnb might be favoring you uh because now you're a super host right, right. like it's so hard to to say for sure yeah. but uh it might be it might be worth it to try some pricing automation software yeah and just see if it if it makes a difference to your bottom line for a few months yeah 
Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I think it might take more like a year to really know, but then you you know you go off of it. Uh, it's much better if you have two properties in one area. You put one on Price Labs and one not. Right, and, and you see can a, a, like test it. Yeah. yeah, A B test it, but it's so hard to A B test with just one. It is totally, yeah. and and Airbnb has an algorithm, but I don't I don't know enough. Like a price adjustment algorithm. It does. It's yeah, but that one's going to be entirely self interested for them because they just want the bookings, right? Well, like, it's it's the, it's basically a scale, so you can at one end it is get the highest possible nightly price that I can get, and they mm -hmm. use area properties yeah. to, to calculate it and the other end is keep, yeah. me as, keep me booked as far into the future mm -hmm. so in between those two extremes you don't yeah. really know how they're calculating their algorithm right so it's yeah. um but it's something that that that's our next step with this properties now we've got a year under our belt we're super hosts we're fully booked everything's going great i've got a great maintenance person i've got a great pool guy and you found these guy. people how all on my own all through going down there and finding them once i bought the property yeah so the hard way <laughs> the hard way absolutely yeah so did, you, did you just call people up meet them there and yep. yeah yeah 100 so i just learned about this thumbtack do you know thumbtack do not know thumbtack. so it's an app like airbnb but for contractors and, and cleaning people and they're I rated I, I know i literally <laughs> planned that idea like five years ago and i, I never too. did you that's know that's hilarious <laughs> i was actually talking to a guy like this is you know back like right around the time we you know you yeah. left the band yeah and i was kind of like scheming to, to create a software we just didn't have anyone to do the tech we yeah coming up with the idea of planning it all <laughs> i did the exact thing i mapped out the mvp yeah. i had so many it's so thumbtack yeah. i'll look it up yeah um there was another one too i can't remember the name of it now but they advertise in uh billy bishop airport um i talked to the guy actually a couple of months ago just to mm -hmm. pick his brain uh it's too bad i can't remember what it's called right now Anyways, I'll send it to you after. You can throw it in the show notes if you want. But um, similar concept, all website-based though. And I wanted mine to be app-based. But so mm -hmm. it sounds like if this thing is, if Thumbtack is app-based, it would be a great idea. Yeah, I can't to. get the app because uh, being north of the border, I'll have to I'll have to go uh, next time I well, go can't down. Can't use one of your addresses in, the, in Florida? Or no, it's or the app, the, the app store app on my ah. on my phone. Yeah, the app on the app address, I guess, is just like the Canadian version. They, oh, it's not available in Canada. Well, right. I'm not using it for Canada. <laughs> Can't you just put yeah. a VPN on your phone? I tried that. It's, it didn't it, work. It, it outsmarted my VPN. Really? Yeah. You need a better VPN. <laughs> I, get, I pay for it. I thought it was a good one, but. Interesting. Um, yeah, I've yeah. had that issue too. All my, all my Florida apps uh, will work down there, but not up here. They won't work though. So they're on your phone and they won't work when you're up here? They won't work when I'm up here. But only the, only the ones that are connected to services like like Spectrum, for example, I can't get TV on my phone if I'm here. Oh, but then the VPN will work for that. But when VPN you're will work for that, yeah. But if you're trying to trick Apple, when literally Apple's sending out pulses of Bluetooth, pinging every phone around you all the time, they know exactly yeah. where you are. You can't yeah, trick yeah. them. Totally. <laughs> you totally. can't trick them with a VPN. No, actually, it's funny. I'm reading a, yeah. a totally off topic, but I'm reading a book right now called Pegasus. Um, Pegasus is this software that was created by an Israeli company called NSO, and they hacked basically Apple's algorithm back in 2013, and they can install um software on iphones and they've did they, the book is about fifty thousand high level journalists and politicians that they found were were hacked with this software mm -hmm. and they can activate your microphone they can activate your camera they can see every every yeah. you know key key stroke that you text really really wild book about about getting behind apple's security but yeah i know it's completely off topic but no, it is. And I would say, I would think that they're like the most secure, um, like they're just spying on you directly. Like exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they don't let anyone else. Yeah. They do it themselves. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. 100%. And they are known for being one of the most secure, but yeah. but they're, they have no shame with. You know, oh, right. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, like you said, different topic. I, I really do think it's very unfortunate that it's just, it's Android versus Apple. Like mm -hmm. that's all we've got. Yeah. Very unfortunate in today's yeah. marketplace. I really hope there's some new players 
that come up and you know smaller uh, open source based yeah and it'd be a sacrifice for us to use them but i'd do it for the privacy yeah i did buy a privacy phone just because i don't like the concept of being tracked but i need wi-fi calling at home we don't we don't get like good cell signal at our oh, house yeah and it dumb. didn't have that I'm like, oh okay i guess yeah. i'm not using this <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of that yeah it was pretty much the end of that so um Going back to one of the things you said, and I think this is really important, like getting a spouse involved and getting them on the same page. That's like obviously something a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. I have that challenge too with uh, with Jordan. Like she's obviously very on board with real estate investing in general, Runs uh, in the but it's <laughs> but it's on me to do. Right. Like I'm, it's not really something she spearheads or, or will do. Uh, she kind of just lets me do the, whatever. <laughs> Um, just as long as I'm home for dinner time. Yeah, yeah. But oh, uh, you're lucky. You're lucky <laughs> well, if she had to sign something, then I guess she might have a, yeah. <laughs> have a different perspective on yeah. that. Well, it's, it's funny yeah. though because, like, on on the Florida side of things, once we moved to the decision was made to to buy a vacation home that could also mm. cash flow. Yeah. Then I was largely on my own. It was that feeling comfortable about what mm. specifically in general we were buying, and yeah. then and then it was okay, right? Like we yeah, had to then bid it's on. Okay. I think we had to bid on 10, 10 properties before we actually got one and yeah. and 30K over asking. And it was it's a nightmare down there, right? It's a nightmare everywhere. But um better but, price but point than you're paying couple, up here. Well, it's convert the dollar. But you're cash flowing. Go yes, find a exactly. property that cash flows here. No. Well, and, and the problem like with that is, anyway. And well, and the problem with a lot with where we live just in, in southern Ontario is the Airbnb short-term rental market isn't nearly as strong as a beach town. Right? Well, so, it is so regulated. Could, right. And it's regulated. The regulated yeah. the regulation basically ruined it. Yeah. Um, but that's Canada for you. Yeah. And uh, you know <laughs> it's just uh I don't know, I'm kinda done with it. Yeah. Like Canada wise. Like, I mean, we have our commercial properties and and we'll roll with those for now. Yeah. Um, I've said this many times. Like I'm not really looking to grow in Canada. I think yeah. that it, there's and it, don't get me wrong, it's getting worse in the States too. Yeah. But they're way behind, you know, price point wise, you can still find very mm -hmm. relatively affordable stuff. Yeah. And I'd like to do that. I'd, I'd, I'd prefer to spend my time in markets where people can still make sense of the numbers with their salary. Like mm -hmm. They can say, hey, there's still a way to make this work. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and until that changes and then I'll, re you know, I, I'm I'm totally open to go where the market makes sense, where the deals make sense rather yeah. than stay in a market or try and force things to work in a market that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, they don't want to invest in a distance, but you've already done that and proved to yourself that you could do it. So, mm -hmm. um, and surprisingly, I mean, we, we made a lot of mistakes. I will continue to make mistakes, but it's not as hard as you think for those who haven't done it. The fact that you just did it that way, mm -hmm. um, that's incredible. Like yeah. that's, that's something that a lot of people, very experienced real estate investors won't do. Right. Like even my, I have one that I have listed right now, which I was originally intending to keep as an Airbnb. But uh, I wasn't sure how it would perform. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I saw some data that said, it, you know, I'd really have to be crushing it for it to be that worth it to me. Yeah. Um, and I just said, you know what, I'll, I'll just let this one go and, and pick a better market or a better specific area mm -hmm. for an Airbnb. But I could have and I could still, but it, it sounds like a lot of work. So I was like, yeah, eh, do I want to do that? Well, and it's yeah. just, it comes it comes with all its own expenses that especially for someone at your yeah. level where you want to cash flow, you know, something that would... Something that would seem incredible to me would be unacceptable to you from a cash flow perspective, just because you've not done on, so many. Not moves. on one off. I think the thing that becomes unacceptable is the the, the pace of slow acquisition. Right. That's what becomes unacceptable. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yes, uh, I mean, a house cash flowing five hundred bucks is totally fine. Can I buy ten of them at one time? Right. You know, like, yeah. How do we do it at scale, though? Yeah. Right. Because how will you scale and grow? 
I mean, you could just buy a house a year and hold it. And, you know, in 10 years, you've got 10 houses and, you know, they're starting to pay off. And that there's nothing wrong with that. No. Depends on what your goal is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, so going back to the point, like when you're having trouble with your spouse, like I'd say, go right back to what are our goals? What are we trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. What are we good at? What are we not good at? What are our capabilities right now, time-wise, financially? If you put that all down and say, now knowing all this, what type of strategy fits with our capabilities, with what we want to do, um, and with our goal, and and then everything is measured against that, yeah. then when you have a disagreement, well, what did we say our goal was, and why did we come to that conclusion, and right. and why did we come to the conclusion that this was a strategy for us? Let's reevaluate. Okay, it's all written down here. Yep, still still ticks all the boxes, and we said we were going to hire help, and we said we were going to we were going to pull the trigger on a deal if it met the following parameters. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of thing helps you. Yeah, helps you get those deals done. Yeah, um, no, it's very good. It's very good advice for sure. Yeah, like it's something I actually used to do back when I was teaching at Western, is we'd uh, like the the marketing report or, you know, any general strategy and, and anything in any business writing, it's always like you come up with your own internal analysis and state what your capabilities are. And then when you're doing your business plan, it's always about relating back. Well, we said these are our strengths. We said these are our weaknesses and here's how we're compensating. Mm -hmm. And um, I think some some people like, you know, they get so excited about going and buying a property. Um, if they, if you know, because cash flow sounds great, but if you can bring it back to why that's important for your situation, how that fits in the current, in mm -hmm. five years and ten years, uh, how you're ticking all the boxes for your short-term money, your medium money, your long-term money, um, you're going to have a lot less resistance with your spouse if yeah. you can kind of just bring it back to what you guys agreed on. Yeah, um, totally. So that's something you know. For, I know many of my guests have expressed that you know they have trouble, like you know. Or, you know, it's them on their own. Their their spouse doesn't really want to get into it. Mm -hmm. That's a way to kind of help bring them in a little bit, you know, yeah. and, or at least have their support. Yeah. 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 Define the goals and work against them yeah. rather than just looking. Tell me about this real quick. So, sure. um, and, and I want to know, uh, you know, top sales advice and why somebody should know it. I'll tell, I'll tell why I think people should study s sales is, are you ever trying to buy a house and trying to get a good <laughs> deal? You're selling that person on selling to you. You're, you're, are you trying to negotiate a vendor take back mortgage so that you can pay less interest? You're going to want to know how to sell that proposition. Um, we use sales all the time mm -hmm. and one of the most valuable skills anyone could know, I think. So tell me about the book. So, well, the, the book came out of, uh, again, a bit of an accident, just starting to journal about my my career in sales over you know 20 years now and marketing as well, sales and marketing and, and kind of how they bridge the gap. and between the two. And it just started as, you know, every position that I was in in sales, what did I learn from that position? And what, you know, if, if I were going back to the beginning, what would I tell myself mm -hmm. 20 years ago about each position and what I learned at that position? And so it's a bit of a journey through my mm -hmm. career for the first half. And then the second half is just bridging the gap on, on what can sales professionals in general learn from their marketing counterparts? Because I think everyone generally defines marketing as advertising. If they don't know much about mm. marketing, right? In, in in your mind, you think about a TV commercial or a billboard, and they, they think that's marketing, but mm. but that's not really what marketing is. What marketing is, is the entire plan to, yeah. to grow your business, right? And you can, as a, as a salesperson, you can learn a lot from your marketing right. counterparts. So that that was the the concept of the yeah. book in general. Um, and then it's got a lot of little like workshops and team building things and stuff in there as well at the end. But um, to your question, what, what, why would I advise people to get better at sales? Um, I think I think that sales is literally everything we do in life. 
Mm -hmm. right? And I think that the really good sales professionals that you deal with, you don't feel like you're dealing with a sales professional. Yeah. Because they are providing value to you. Yeah. Right? And so if you can learn in every interaction, not necessarily if you need something from that interaction, but if you can just approach every personal situation you're in with providing value to the person that you're yeah. with for whatever they value, yeah. you're going to perform better in everything you do. Yeah, that's a very good point. I And I heard this as not specifically relevant, but I heard this uh, said that sales is a transfer of enthusiasm. It's not you trying to get somebody to do something that you want them to do. No. It's, it's you transferring how enthusiastic you are about what you're selling. So you should like what you're selling. Yeah. Otherwise, don't sell it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a very good point uh, too. You know, if you don't think it's any good, don't sell it. Mm -hmm. That's that's the key, number one reason to not be a uh, way to not be sleazy salesperson. Yes, 100%. Um, but I would go further than a transfer yeah. of enthusiasm. Yeah. I think it is um, as, a, as a seasoned sales professional at this time, I've sold everything. I've gone door to door. I've sold water softeners. I've sold chicken. I've sold pop. I've sold medical devices. I've, I've done it all. What I've learned is it's not just transferring your enthusiasm, enthusiasm, but helping people understand why you see value in yeah. what you're doing and why you think it's important that they see the same value. Because yeah. if they don't do mm. what you're, or if they don't partake in the offer that you are that you are um, presenting to them, their life will be worse off by not doing it. And if yeah, you can, if yeah. you can accurately um, convey that message yeah. of why your life will be better tomorrow and why yeah. there's no reason not to do this. Yeah. Then you can you can you can not only be a better professional at what you're doing, but you will make people's lives better. And that's yeah. what makes lasting relationships is providing mutual value. value. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, relating this to uh, real estate investing, like when you're raising private money, for instance, mm -hmm. selling somebody on the idea of lending money to to you. Right. Uh, at a very uh, reasonable rate, um, that's a win-win for them. Like yeah. um, my buddy Mike taught me this and I thought it made a ton of sense and I've applied it my own way, but he would raise money and he'd find out what somebody wanted. They said, oh, I want a, I want a Camaro. I've always wanted this car. Uh, and he'd say, well, if I, could, if I could get you that Camaro with absolutely no monthly payment, uh, is that something you would want? You know, like they want the Camaro. Right. Well, how would you do that? Oh, well, you just need to lend me this much money. I already know what your interest rate is on that line of credit. Right. Uh, and if I calculate if you lend me this much, the amount you'll make is enough to cover that that car and you, you'll have it for free, basically. How's that sound? You're communicating yeah, yeah. in like yeah. in the benefit they want. And yeah. then it's a win-win for you because then you get to do a deal that makes money and profit. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's that's one of the, the big things. And I think this is just so relevant. Like, this that is one of the necessary skills here mm -hmm. being able to sell because any entrepreneur you're going to sell absolutely you have to you can't you can't get by in life without it whether it's it's simple as selling your wife on where you're going to go for dinner yeah you're selling. selling your life so yeah, <laughs> knowing that those people who have this stigma about sales which i don't think is much of my audience but mm -hmm. if you do have it realize that you already do it exactly it, it, you're just it's just about honing it in yeah. so uh top authors aside from rob crate that you recommend uh who are the ones that that uh you uh you kind of learned from oh my goodness uh in terms of sales in general it's sales yeah or, sales yeah, okay. books yeah um my top sales books well i think the uh, i think the challenger sales method is a really good one for everyone to read okay um and that's just about it's not necessarily yeah. about um 
I would say take it with a grain of salt in the sense that mm -hmm. it's a, it's more about concrete skills. But what it teaches you is how yeah. to push a conversation a little bit further and try and push someone to do a little bit more than what you're comfortable with. So it gets yeah. you out of your comfort zone. That's why I really like that book. Oh, cool. Um, in general, it's the Challenger Sales Method. And then anything, um, anything by Zig Ziglar is Zig just Ziglar, really okay. inspiring to read. He's a really, really cool guy. Um, anything by Bob Proctor, really good. Bob Proctor. Well. What about Brian Tracy? Yeah, Brian Tracy's great yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, that's why I started with Brian Tracy. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. And then I yeah. mean the 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 Jeffrey Gittimer has the little gold book of yes. Jeffrey Gittimer's yeah. good. Um, one yeah. of the uh, the go tos that I think everyone should read, regardless of what you do at all in life, is How to Win Friends and Influence. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that before you said it. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's a great book to read. But uh, it gives you such perspective on 100%. things. Just your, the way your interactions with people go, mm -hmm. things you're doing wrong, it will change your behavior. If you read that yeah. book cover to cover, it'll change your behavior. One hundred percent. Yeah. Well, and it will make you a better person for the people around you. Yeah, yeah. I honestly feel like I need to. I haven't listened. I haven't listened to it. I, I listened to it originally. I haven't yeah. done that in probably like since I originally listened to it. I yeah. kind of want to do it again. There you go. Yeah. Another really good book too that is kind of outside of sales, but I think is relevant to your audience that I read recently is The Lords of Easy Money. Okay. Really, really good book that goes through uh, the history. It starts, you know, in the history of the Federal Reserve in the US mm -hmm. way back when it started and then goes through the financial crisis of 2008 and how the government increased the money supply by whatever, mm -hmm. 200X and continues all, all the way up until present day to really understand yeah better interest rates supply of money how this mm -hmm. is all controlled why they're doing what they're doing and it's it's a really eye-opening book when it comes to this side of the world where you're trying to invest and you're wondering what's going to happen in the future it really gives you a nice picture of what's happened so yeah. far really really good book. interesting i'm not sure if that just depressed me but uh, <laughs> yeah, i really do like the more i've thought about it i think i think fiat money is is um, i don't think slavery really ended i think that slavers just got more clever and they created the fiat money system to basically create slaves because they print money on your back when they print money they steal your buying power yes they print it out of thin air it's you know it's just pulp and paper 100%. and now all of a sudden they, they've stolen your blood sweat and tears that went to generate dollars in your bank account mm -hmm. And then, then they raise interest rates mm -hmm. and they, that's another tax on you that they're doing uh, because they're stealing, like interest rates are literally designed to soak up excess cash. Yep. Any extra, extra money that you might spend on a meal out or, or something, they want to suck all that up with your mortgage payment so, mm -hmm. that, uh, so that you got no money to spend. Yep. Uh, and then when you sell that property that you have a high mortgage on, they want to get you on the capital gains on the currency devaluation, <laughs> 100%. which I actually find comical at this point. Mm -hmm. I find it hilarious that anybody thinks that these people should be taken seriously yeah. that's that's kind of where i'm at with it and i don't mean that to be a black pill i just mean <laughs> that the re the sooner you realize they're clowns and they are not looking out for you yeah. you'll make wiser decisions yeah. and you just you know you go out and you realize hey i gotta do it in spite of them mm -hmm. i gotta go out and make my situation 10x better than the average person because that's what it's gonna take going mm -hmm. forward Yep. And uh, the beautiful thing about the community around this podcast, the people I've met, is like they're not excuse makers. It doesn't matter how hard the situation is. You're not a victim of circumstance. Mm -hmm. There's always a way to be successful. Yeah. It just gets harder. Absolutely. But, uh, but there's the, also the, other ways where you it gets hard in your area and you pivot and you go somewhere else where it also becomes easier. Yeah. So um, I mean that in a positive way. Let's 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 learn and then be productive with what we learned, yeah. uh, dude. This was a cool episode. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I'm I, really I, glad you had me here. Thank you so much. I haven't done one like this. Like I think like episode six we had Aaron no, no on, and, and he just asked me questions. Yeah. Um, but it's good because you've done you know international investing. You you know you kind of you have a really relatable story for a lot of people who listen uh, listen to this. 
Um, any advice for people who are, um, you know, just coming to it now and just, just about to get started, you know, kind of where you were 10 years ago? Um, any advice? Well, I think if you're debating doing it at all, do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, no matter what you do, mm -hmm. you're going to run into issues that you did not foresee and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to kick yourself for doing it wrong. But the only way you learn is by, is by making mistakes by and getting stuff. dirty, right? I think people spend too long wondering what to do rather than just making the wrong decision and figuring it out. Yeah. Any decision made is the right decision versus not making one. Well, I'll relate it to what you what you did in Florida. You you knew about eighty percent of what you needed to know. I'm sure you ran the numbers and you saw yeah. it could be profitable. Yeah. But you didn't know who would clean the place. You didn't know who would do maintenance, who would manage or how you'd manage it. Nope. You, you probably had never been on Airbnb before. Nope. But you knew you could learn all those things. Yeah. You knew the 80%, the 20% you had to figure out. <laughs> Great story for you there. Yeah. The maintenance guy that is still working on our property, we met at the hotel when we were there closing on the property. He drove into the parking lot with a magnet on his truck that said, we buy houses cash. Yeah. And he, he got out of his truck and I said, how's business? And he goes, oh, well, we're kind of getting out of that. We moved down here just to work on my construction business. You want to see some of my recent renovations? Yeah. And he pulled out his phone and I said, you want to come check out my property? And he's been working for us ever since. That's great. Right? Yeah, man. You just talk to people and you, every once in a while. You, you sold them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, me, or he sold me. Who knows? <laughs> I, I don't know. You sold each other. Exactly. Uh, cool. So where do people find you? Where do they buy your book? Uh, books on Amazon. If you want to uh, Google it there, Sales Meets Marketing, or you can go to salesmeetsmarketing.ca. We've got a website up there. Uh, you can mm -hmm. find me on Instagram at RJ Crate. Reach out anytime. Happy cool. to talk. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, man. Appreciate thanks you catching up. There are a lot of people out there talking about the infinite banking strategy and whether or not it makes sense for them. To find out what it's all about and if it's a fit for you, visit controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines, where my audience can gain exclusive access to books, podcasts, and webinars tailor-made for real estate investors.